The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Welcome. Welcome on the East Coast in the afternoon and on the West Coast in the morning. I'm Patricia Raskin, and this is the program that shows you how to turn your problems into solutions and your obstacles into opportunities and to help you make your dreams come true. Today we have on a very interesting guest. We're talking about evolution's purpose, and that's the name of the book. And the subtitle is An Integral Interpretation of the Scientific Story of Our Origins, and my guest today is Steve McIntosh. And we're really going to talk about there's so much confusion today and so much chaos in the world. And Steve's going to shed some light on this and maybe some of the things that we can do. Steve McIntosh is the author of Integral Consciousness and the Future of Evolution. He's a leader in the Integral Philosophy Movement. He's a graduate of the University of Virginia Law School and the University of Southern California Business School, and he has served as founder and president of the consumer products company Now in Zen. In addition to his work in philosophy, Steve McIntosh has had a variety of other successful careers, including practicing law with one of the biggest firms, working as an, as an executive with the tea company Celestial Seasonings, and Olympic class bicycle racing. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Patricia. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, very interesting because, you know, you're writing this about evolution, but you certainly have worked in the corporate sector. And so you see um, you see what's happening in reality now. Well, you know, I'm certainly doing my best to understand, uh, you know, the universe and the activity therein. That's what our philosophy is all about. Yeah. And, you know, I think my first question for you before we get into your book is from where you sit and from writing this and this whole kind of evolution's purpose, can you make rhyme a reason to why we're in so much chaos now, why we have so much economic crisis, we have environmental crisis, we have relationship crisis? There's a lot of crisis going on right now in our evolution. Well, sure. Um, and I think a big part of it is um, the lack of an adequate formation of agreement or political will to deal with things like the environmental crisis. And, you know, the, the political gridlock, which uh, has, you know, is keeping America from acting in concert for many positive goals, is itself a result of cultural evolution. In other words, it may seem like we're regressing, but it's because of the progress of human consciousness and culture that the current polarization exists as old forms of culture uh, want to prevent uh, the evolution and, and the emergence of new forms of culture. But uh, I do have confidence that, um, that our civilization will 
indeed evolve through these crises. I mean, the new, new problems will always be coming up as we progress. But uh, uh, cultural evolution is how we've made the world a better place um, to begin with. And the, the, the conflicts that we see and the, the, the crises that we're dealing with now partially result from different definitions of what counts as the further direction of improvement. You know, for example, uh, some segments of American society would like to uh, sort of return to a more traditional way of life. Um, other segments of the society want to see continued globalization and an economic development without regard for any kind of social or environmental uh, consequences. And then there's another significant segment of our society for whom progress is not the goal, but sustainability uh, and fairness for all. So these different definitions of improvement create a, a kind of a culture war at this time in history, and um, it's evolution that's produced these conditions, and I, and I believe that it's evolution that's going to ultimately overcome them. So, so what I'm hearing is that this is a cycle, that we've been through this before in evolution. Well, we've never been in this exact situation where, for example, we have this uh, you know, globalizing, modernist, developed world, and we have the majority of the world's population that is in so many ways culturally pre-modern in terms of their belief systems and their values. And then we have a, a stage of development, a kind of a kind of culture that's moved beyond and transcended uh, the, the sort of the modernist developed world's view and, and value set. And the, these three major worldviews, which we define as traditionalism, modernism, and uh, kind of progressive or pluralistic postmodernism, they're vying for uh, the loyalties of the society in terms of mm -hmm. their definition of, of what's true and beautiful and good. So, so we've been through this before. I mean, in some ways, there have been times in history when there have been different, different worldviews in conflict, but it's never been this complex uh, as, as it exists yeah. at the moment. And, and I think the real question is how we reconcile all of this. You know, if you look at evolution and you look at purpose, which is supposedly good, how do you recognize, you know, how do you reconcile it with the suffering and with the, the evil that's in the world? Sure. Well, suffering and evil are in some ways the shadow of freedom. You know, they're not justified or rational. They're the absence of reason and justice that, that we see suffering and evil in the world. But I do believe that as human consciousness evolves along with human culture, human nature itself does improve. It becomes more inclusive. Now, every emergent step of the evolution of consciousness and culture brings both progress, but it also brings new forms of, of pathologies, new problems that are directly tied to the evolutionary achievements of a given, a given stage of development. So, uh, for example, we can see with, with modernism's development, it's brought uh, all kinds of goods to the world, scientific medicine, technology, mm -hmm. knowledge, mm -hmm. but it's also brought environmental degradation and nuclear pr proliferation and global problems that were never seen at earlier stages. So part of the problems in the world are the result of evolution moving forward, creating new problems that require further evolution to solve those problems. And so we're dealing with the problems of, of several different levels of evolution at the same time, and those, those different levels, like I mentioned, are, are currently in conflict. But uh, I believe Steve? that... Uh, go on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, emergence, uh, the evolutionary emergence has happened from the beginning. Something more keeps coming from something less. Although stagnation and regression are a possibility, uh, we can see a clear pattern of evolution generating value. And the current leading edge of evolution is the evolution of consciousness and culture. And I think we're on the verge of a new kind of emergence that can help solve many of our problems and indeed create a new set of problems. 
Why did you feel compelled to write this book? Well, it's, this book is sort of the latest expression of integral philosophy, which is a spiritual philosophy of evolution that's been emerging through the talents of various philosophers throughout the 20th century. And the core insight of integral philosophy is, is, is understanding about how uh, human consciousness is drawn toward improvement, drawn toward the beautiful, the true, and the good. And so as a, uh, as a philosopher in this realm, I really could see that uh, evolution is probably one of the most important truths that people can know. Indeed, it's probably the greatest scientific discovery of all time, but it's more than science. It's our creation story and helps define who we are and how we think. And so showing how this creation story um, in, in, indeed has an unmistakable spiritual message that can complement many forms of spirituality and can help uh, provide leadership for our society and give us greater clarity about how to address these crises uh, that we encounter you know, at this time in history, I could see that, that a deeper understanding of evolution could lead directly to a more evolved world. And so that yeah. was sort of the inspiration for the book. And, and you, you said that right before I asked you that question. You said, you know, what you're looking for here is for something positive to come for, from this in terms of the way we lead our lives in the future. From writing this, Steve, what are some of your suggestions? I mean, it's one thing to look at paradigms and ships and trends, but it's another thing for the average person to cope today. What are some of the suggestions that you would have for us on a very practical level? Sure. Well, one of, as I mentioned, the way the, the, our world, we, you know, everyone has a, a, most people, let me say at least, have a duty to make the world a better place, even if it's just being good parents to their kids or being good neighbors. I mean, and some people, you know, want to make the world a better place in more ambitious ways. But this impulse that many people feel to try to uh, give their gift and, and help not only their own self-actualization, but, but to help solve problems and alleviate, alleviate suffering here in this world, this, is all, this all occurs through the evolution of, of consciousness and culture. I mean, indeed, from one perspective, every problem in the world could be understood as at least partially a problem of consciousness. Because if you could raise the consciousness or, or change the perspectives of those who are either creating the problems or uh, um, failing to prevent the problems, uh, we could solve the problems themselves. And whether it's hunger or crime or poverty or global warming or uh, you know, unfair uh, economic relations, the evolution of consciousness provides a significant road for improvement. So people can begin to understand this principle of the evolution of consciousness and see how it occurs by stages, how, how our consciousness doesn't just evolve by itself, it evolves along with our culture. And people have cultural loyalties. They make meaning according to a worldview. And if they can enlarge that worldview, if they can step outside of it and, and see it from the outside as well as from the inside, that by itself can help them evolve their consciousness and help them um, move from a conflict-oriented perspective to one that is more um, of a synthesis, one that can uh, transcend and include conflict uh, by moving to a, a, sort of a, a higher perspective. And that's what integral philosophy does, is it provides a higher perspective that can um, see both the good and the bad of every stage of development within human history and therefore work more uh, closely with these stages and these values to sort of harmonize uh, the conflicting culture in which we find ourselves. Yeah, how does this relate to some of the places that you have worked, like, for example, Celestial Seasoning, which is which is, has such wonderful product. 
How do you, um, and also with the law firm, how do some of these principles relate to what you're seeing in business today? Well, in business, we can see, um, again, it, it's a sort of a, a perfect um, uh, place to see the culture war in action, right? There are, there, there are different types of perspectives on business. Some uh, are, uh, some people are trying to bring a more enlightened focus to business, uh, adding things like the triple bottom line, you know, people, profits, and the planet. And, mm-hmm. and uh, there have been many attempts with, for organizational development to bring a, a spiritual message to uh, the workplace, and I applaud all of these methods. But many of them have a difficulty transforming the ethics of business, as we can see, you know, through the uh, problems that Wall Street has. They're still a long way to um, having a more enlightened view of their role in society. And part of that, um, part of the ability to influence modernism, to influence the mainstream view, whether it's a corporation or a law firm or any kind of mainstream establishment institution, one of the ways that... um, progressive culture, one of the ways that people who care about a, a larger and more inclusive set of values, they can, I think, be much more effective at influencing and persuading the mainstream and, and causing evolution across the society as a whole toward a more inclusive and progressive worldview. If they examine, if progressives examine their own stance of antithesis toward the establishment, in other words, we see this pattern, right, of, of, of evolution, and we understand that human consciousness and culture follows this pattern in, in the structure of its unfolding. We see a thesis, the thesis becomes stale and invites movement away from it in the form of an antithesis. The antithesis kind of negates the problems of the thesis. But progressive culture is very much about rejecting many of the evolutionary achievements of our society as a whole. You know, their anti-modernism makes modernists defensive. Right, so we have this polarization in a, in a kind of a culture war between, you know, modernists and what we call postmodernists, and I think postmodernists have laudable, important goals for improving the society, but mm. understanding how their own anti-modernism sort of pins people in place, um, helping postmodernism itself evolve to a more inclusive, synthetic position to move beyond its stance of antithesis, I think is an important way that um, that the, the important achievements of postmodernism, its inclusivity, its, its multiculturalism, its progressive uh, ideas, its care for the environment, all these things could be more effectively inculcated into the larger society if postmodernism right. itself was a little bit more evolved. Which was more autocratic. Well, you know, modernism uh, is, is a, a, it's achieved many goals. Right, but it's very individualistic, very progress-oriented, very uh, hierarchical, and those values create progress in one direction. But they also create important new problems that require that the the, uh, the progress of culture kind of tack back and forth. I mean, this thesis-antithesis-synthesis idea, this dialectic as it's called, can be understood as like a sailboat tacking against the wind. Right, the sailboat can't sail directly into the wind; it has to advance obliquely. And, and our opportunities to make the world a better place are sort of defined by our current problems. So as we try to get away from current problems, we end up going in the opposite direction of, of the previous advance, so, and that so requires saying, an eventual attacking back. So you're saying you need to embrace them? I'm saying that both postmodernism and modernism, this polarization, this culture war, 
we can move both of these worldviews forward in history by bringing them closer together into a more synthetic position where they both appreciate each other more and are not so much in conflict. So give us some con- give us give us an example that we would understand. How how would that play out? Sure. Well, for example, with the problem of climate change, um, this is an urgent problem that many of us are very concerned about. In the last five years, uh, the polls have indicated that um, support among mainstream Americans to take action on climate change has dropped by 20 points. It's an unprecedented um, uh, uh, drop in uh, political will to combat what's probably uh, the most urgent uh, condition or problem facing humanity. And so we have to ask ourselves, why has, uh, and, and, um, why has apathy and resistance to the idea of, of, of making positive steps to combat global warming, you know, why has that gone backwards in American society? And although it's a complex answer, there's no one factor, a big part of it is that the environmental movement is, is one of the things that this postmodern culture, this postmodern worldview has achieved. It's one of the, the most beautiful things that, that it has come to see, right? Before the emergence of this, of this, you know, kind of progressive worldview, concern for the environment was, was very rare. But it, it has become a, a larger issue, and many Americans of all uh, cultural worldviews do recognize our need to protect the environment. But still, in the presidential debates, you don't see climate change as anything that's emphasized. Indeed, it's uh, been uh, ridiculed by the Republicans. Mm-hmm. So wh- why is that? Why are we losing ground on something that should be a concern for everyone? You know, indeed, Thomas Friedman has been arguing for years that green should be the new red, white, and blue. And yet, mm-hmm. these, these uh, both, both modernists and postmodernists, their admonitions for us to act on the problem are falling on deaf ears at the moment. So part of the reason this is the case politically is that is there's these underlying culture war dynamics whereby concern for the environment will always have a progressive flavor to it. But when progressives as a cultural unit have a sort of rejectionistic attitude toward the mainstream, when they, when they have, sort of want to threaten the foundations of modernism upon which their cultural evolution depends, this creates conflict. I mean, the people who they need to persuade to take action on global warming are concerned, even if subconsciously, that giving too much power to the environmentalists, giving too much power to progressive postmodernists, is going to undermine the society as a whole because of their anti-modernism. So being able to recognize, for postmodernists themselves to see how, in some ways, it's their you know, staunch antithesis uh, to the larger established society that causes their otherwise laudable goals of dealing with global warming to be resisted and rejected, um, they can go a long way toward um, making their their programs more politically effective by understanding these cultural dynamics. Right. And I think what you're doing right now is you're explaining the positions of these two groups. You know, you, you're, you're saying, here's what it is, but we have to come together. And that's really what you're saying. Well, I, and I don't think it's going to just happen miraculously. There's going to be this sort of great awakening. Indeed, that's a fallacy that's promoted by many of those yeah. in progressive culture. That we're just, there's just going to be this miraculous awakening on a certain date. And, I, and an evolutionary perspective recognizes that, um, that these issues are too important for us to sort of rest on wishful thinking. Uh, we need to understand evolution more thoroughly and try to cre- achieve cultural evolution, the evolution of consciousness and culture, more effectively by, uh, by this, uh, this new depth of insight provided by integral philosophy and other, other new forms of understanding. All right. All right. Um, coming to the close of the interview, um, what, 
what is your message for listeners in general? What would you like, what would you like readers and listeners to walk away with? You know, after they read the book and after they take this in, what, what, what would you like them to walk away with and what would you like their action step to be? Sure. The, the, the message, the thesis of the book is that, um, is that evolution is, is what the universe is. I mean, the, in, evolution is something that happening, that isn't something happening within the universe. It's, it's really what is the, what the universe is about. And as humans, we can feel evolution happening within us because we can feel the impulse that's been driving the process for the last 13 billion years. When we um, feel the urge to live up to our potential and do the right thing and give our gift to the world, this is evolution happening within us. And this gives us an insight into the purpose of evolution overall, which is to grow in the ability to experience the most intrinsic values, to grow toward the beautiful, the true, and the good. These are the directions of improvement. They're the directions of progress. Mm. As, I care, as I carefully argue in the book, uh, to understand that the purpose of evolution is to grow toward the beautiful, the true, and the good, that gives our lives greater direction and insight. It's sort of a natural form of spirituality that can um, you know, uh, enliven everyone's life. Thanks so much. Tell people how they can get a copy of your book. Sure. It becomes available on, uh, for purchase on Amazon.com. Just type in Evolution's Purpose on October 1st. And they can also read excerpts and see video interviews of me on my website, stevemackintosh.com. Very, very good. And can people write to you as well? Sure. My email address is steve at stevemackintosh.com, and I do my best to be accessible and to answer all questions. Thank you so much for being on the program, Steve. Thanks for having me, really? I appreciate your interest Thank in my you. work. Okay. All right, folks. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to Scott Kennedy, who is the CEO and the president of Pharmacy. And Pharmacy really unlocks the treasures of sea vegetables. So we're going to talk about sea vegetables and what they can do for your health. Stay tuned. You're listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on Voice America, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you a homeowner who's trying to save on energy bills and go green at the same time? Tune into Energy Saving in the Home, brought to you by 521 Compressor Saver and Home Energy Consultants with hosts Gary Parr and Dennis Seltzer. They have saved homeowners just like you as much as 65% on energy bills through energy efficiency practices. You'll learn about conservation, products, and services to reduce energy consumption and save you money. Be sure to listen to Energy Saving in the Home, live every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you're a golf enthusiast and looking for some great golf properties in the desert southwest, you'll want to make the Golf Realty Network your weekly stop. Hosted by Jane and Al Anderson, the Golf Realty Network is all about living where you play, on the golf side. You'll hear from the course pros and vendors, while the real estate side will bring you the top agents and brokers who know how to market or find your golf community home. Tune in to the Golf Realty Network, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety, and rebroadcast weekly on Voice America Sports. 
Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the second half of the program today. Our guest is Scott Kennedy, and Scott Kennedy is the president and founder of Pharmacy. And what Pharmacy is, is a company that brings us sea vegetables in a capsule that really improves our health tremendously. It's health from the ocean, and it's not synthetically produced. It's Pharmacy. Welcome, Scott. Well, thank you, uh, Patricia. And I have to remind your listeners, it's Pharmacy with an F as in Frank, and an S is in Sam, we farm the sea. So it's kind of the anti-pharmacy. Well, if you ask me, they're the anti-pharmacy. We're the real one. Well, you are very passionate, passionate about these unique sea plants, which is what they are. Um, tell us why you're so passionate about this. Well, I'm passionate because I had a personal experience with my own mother, who the medical doctor said was, uh, was, uh, was laden with a disease that was incurable. And what I came to find out was it was incurable by them, incurable by them, meaning incurable through pharma, with pharmaceuticals, testing, or scalpels, surgery. So they cannot, they cannot cure an organic disease with drugs, testing, or surgery. So that's what I found out, and, and they didn't want to know about the seaweed. So her MS went into remission. That was in 1983. And I said, uh, then I studied the uh, vitamin industry and, I, and the drug industry and, and those doctors because I was wondering why they didn't want to know what cured my mother. Her MS went into remission. No, her numbness went away after 27 years of attacks. And now she's never had another attack. She's 84 now. And uh, so really she got an MRI in 2000, and, and it showed no new demyelinization. So that's clinical remission as per the doctors. That's not just yeah. an opinion by me. Um, so then I found out that the vitamins are made by the drug company. So I said, okay, uh, selling seaweed to people, they'll just realize that, hey, their vitamins are synthetic, and they'll eat the sea veg, and, and I can make a living doing something that I love and that can help people. Uh, I was wrong. Nobody was listening, and they still really aren't, a lot of them. You're very forward-thinking, Patricia. And, uh, and we're just now getting the kind of uh, press and, uh, and exposure that, that really seaweed needs. Seaweed's been hiding in Scott, plain sight yeah, for explain, a long time. So it's the greatest it, supplement on the earth. Scott, explain the history of seaweed. Talk about algae and, and how it's used in Japan and China since prehistoric times. Tell us the history. Well, that, that's a good question. And, 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 you know, it's not in the Western diet because it never made it to the French cuisine, uh, which is the standard for the Western diet because Nero... Uh, the emperor in Rome said no noble person should eat that green stuff that was on the beach. And so, but in the East, through centuries, uh, it's been eaten every day. In fact, it's considered a delicacy uh, by uh, Sheng Nung in 3000 BC. He's venerated as the Chinese father of medicine, and he prescribed uh, plants of the sea for all those desiring long life. And you know, it's working for them, and it's working for the Japanese. And then uh, over in, in Japan and China, they've been using it 600 B.C. <clears throat> and uh, a delicacy fit for the most honored guests, even for the king himself. And uh, even in Iceland, it dates back to 961, where they, they actually had detailed regulations about coastal property rights in harvesting uh, the seaweed. So 
Uh, it's really been around a long time in the East. It's not something that we have in our diet. So what I did was I encapsulated whole sea, sea plants after I powdered them, and I, bl- I bring a, a well. It's it's a salad of the sea, and, and it really is a hundred percent vegetable, multinutritional, yeah, and so that's what it is, and, and that's that's the, what makes it what so are unique. Some of them? Scott, what are some of them? Can you tell? For example, dulse might be one of them. What are some of the names? Well, dulse, yes, yes. Now, the, the, the species we've chosen are 12 species with Dr. Cron, who has a Ph.D. in marine botany over in Ireland. No one in the United States has the kind of knowledge that I needed to, to bring the best species in. And I don't, I don't get any seaweed domestically. I just didn't want to deal with all the people that think, you know, the oceans are polluted. They really aren't, but I didn't want to deal with that. So we bring it in from other countries and, and clean waters and France and Ireland and Iceland and Asia and not Japan, but Asia. And, uh, and so, um, these species are the ones that have the most science behind them. You know, there's over 3,000 studies on, on sea vegetation being a, a, like a medicine. And, and, but most of these studies are European or Asian. They're not domestic. And this, this disturbs me because our National Institute of Health and all these people that we're paying all these big tax dollars to and donations, they really should be looking at seaweed, but they're not because they're all tied in to the unholy alliance with the pharmaceutical industry. So the, the species are the ones that have the most science behind them, dulse, laver, kombu, uh, kelp. There's five kelps in our blend. That's just the, the cultural name for, for brown seaweed. There's uh, there's. Uh, uh, asco and uh, Irish moss, and there's palmaria and porphyra. And so we, we bring in green, red, and brown seaweeds. We put them together with our intellectual property, and we've got the most powerful food supplement. And your cells know what this is when they get it. They, they understand seaweed. They recognize it. You know, after all, they're is, breathing under is, blue salt water right now. Yeah, is calcium and magnesium or vitamin C, is that in the seaweed? Oh, those are three three uh, nutrients that are very well represented. Remember that the magnesium molecule, magnesium is at the center of the chlorophyll molecule, and the chlorophyll is in green leafy plants. So when you eat spinach, you've heard about, okay, the kale mag, there's calcium in it, and magnesium is right in the center of the chlorophyll molecule. So, you know, the creator has put all this perfect nutrition in plants, but the man has gone in and said, I've got your nutrition, and I make it in the lab from coal tar, which comes from oil, and I, I've told you and your parents and your parents' parents that what's in the garden is the same thing as we make in our lab, and that is a lie, and it's not true, and it's not proven by any facts. So really, we want to get people off of the mainstream vitamins, which are 95% made by eight drug companies, and onto the C-Veg for the same money or less. And you don't have to take all those other A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, the C is very well represented. The magnesium is represented. Um, of course, calcium's in there. But you know what? Seaweed's higher in iron than it is in calcium. So it's a very selective plant, and I think it's the perfect plant for human beings. It's the perfect food. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at your beautiful newsletter here, and one of the stories you tell, which I'd love you to tell on the air, is how the seaweed grows like six feet and you can see it in this picture it's like a tall tall plant well you know people that probably aren't going to believe that but yeah marine algae grows up to two feet a day that's six feet in three days i use the three-day thing because in three days you know your land plant if it went from a seedling to six foot you would literally say that that's magic well your land plant would be rooted uh, so add magic times 10 because sea plants don't have a root. 
They're growing. They're going two feet a day without a root, and it's because of the light energy that they're absorbing at the top of the water, and they're sending the nutrition down the stipe. They make little balloons called pneumocysts that pull pulls themselves up to the light, and they eat light and they eat seawater, and then we can't eat light or seawater, so we eat them. And they're perfect food like that, and, and all the creatures of the sea eat seaweed and marine algae and phytoplankton. Well, that's why fish uh, are health food. But if yeah, we skip Scott, the cat, talk about you know, fish oil and how the fish oil is part of the sea vegetation. Well, it's not fish oil if it's in the seaweed, but yes, those oils, those omegas, are already on and in the seaweed. If you pull the seaweed out of the beach, uh, well, on the East Coast, wherever it's not polluted, or in California, out here in San Diego, it's slimy. It's oily. Seaweed's full of those oils, and that's where the fish get their, their fish oil. So I'd rather get it from the vegetables. I mean, I take fish oil and flaxseed oil in addition to the seaweed, but that's all I take, and that's all I've taken for 28 years. I knew about the synthetics in 83. Now, you know, I haven't been sick since 91, and, and I haven't carried health insurance, although I had my health insurance license back then, learned how that worked. And, uh, and now my blood is perfect every time I go in every year. It's just always perfect. Doctor was, what, what are you doing? I go, well, I eat sea veg every day. So mm-hmm. it's really, I'm trying to simplify this. It really doesn't have to be complicated. Everything your body wants is in sea plants and is in our blend of sea plants yeah. inside the sea veg. Yeah, let me, let me read something that's in your literature. You say some of the amazing benefits of super sea veg are it promotes healthier skin, helps fight allergies, helps support liver function. Uh, helps to stabilize blood, uses to weight to assist in weight loss, inhibits uptake of heavy metals. So there's a lot of a lot of benefits here. There are, and you know what? The seaweed does some of those things, like the metals. It, it binds with metals and removes them. The sodium alginate it takes radioactivity out of the body. You know the strontium ninety. But most importantly, the nutritional uh, profile of sea plants is is beyond any plant on earth. 60 times that of spinach. Remember, spinach is is 85% uh, fiber that's non-digestible. It has to build a root structure, and the leaves are tough, so they have to to live and grow in in the elements. But sea plants don't have to do that. They're very buoyant, and uh, and the only fiber is down in their little holdfasts that are hanging on the rocks. And they do have to hang on the rocks to grow that, that large, like those giant kelps. So uh, sea plants are 85% nutrition. So here you have just the opposite kind of a plant. And all the fatty acids, they're, they're macro plants. So they have connective tissue as well, just like we do, connective tissue. We're not rooted either. So the, 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 the polysaccharides that hold those cells together to make these giant kelps mm-hmm. are also the polysaccharides that hold our cells together. And that's what's missing in our diet. And that's why the autoimmune diseases are, are, are uh, connective tissue problems. And it's coming from because they're very fragile molecules that are that are uh, that are actually they're they're broken down in, in food processing. So we're all missing those polysaccharides. So when you start taking it, you change right away. And so I'm saying that the seaweed doesn't always cure these things. The body utilizes all the different nutrients to cure itself. Hmm. Scott, can you tell us a couple of stories? I know you have many testimonials on your website. And, folks, you really need to go to the website because you can learn so much. SuperCVeg.com about not just the product but about people who've been helped. Can you tell us a couple of stories of people? I've listened to them on the, on the website. But can you go share a couple of testimonials with us from people? Well, sure. We have over 600 uh, unsolicited testimonials. We're not an MLM. Nobody's paid. You know, they're not making any money. And, 
It's just that they're very happy because their lives have changed. And, and, you know, they have a pill that changes their hair, their nails, their face, um, their hormones, their sleep patterns, their, um, you know, their, their mental acumen, their IQ, their stamina, and, and, and their blood and cholesterol. It does all those things because it, it, your, your cells actually want to be moved toward homeostasis. But I have some special testimonials that I'm very fond of. A woman in uh, Chicago called me because uh, her father-in-law saw my son's testimonial on the, on the Internet, and she said, oh, I can give it to my kids. Or he said, I, I can get it to my grandkids. So he, gave, he bought them 12 bottles of the, the adult stuff. And she gave her uh, four-year-old the adult dose, you know, which is fine. It's just seaweed. And uh, he, had, uh, he was diagnosed with profound stuttering. And in three days, he stopped stuttering. He was sitting there waiting to stutter. Then he started talking slowly. And after seven days, he had no stutter at all. She called me. I, I didn't get back with her for three or four days. She, she took him off of it. The stuttering came back in two days. So now she put him back on it, and she could not believe it. I said, just call me back. And then, you know, she gave it to me for free. But then I, for the inconvenience, I, I gave her some free bottles to, to put it on tape, and we've got it on an audio testimonial. I mean, we cured profound studying with a boy that was getting introverted just before kindergarten, and you know how that can change a boy. It could change his life. His whole life would have been a, a whole different thing if that's, and you know, his, her older son had ADD, ADHD, she has ADHD, their diet's terrible up in Chicago, and this sea badge changed, and I'd never heard anything like that because usually the parents won't give it to the kids. We're, we're just trying to get the parents to give it to the kids. Well, the Asians have a higher IQ, and they're very smart, and they concentrate, and you know, and they get a lot of seaweed and a lot of iodine over there, and we know that's important for brain development. So that's really my favorite is, is that we change that boy's life. And then we have a number of women that got off their, their uh, thyroid drugs. Now, we can't give medical advice, but after 30 years, this woman just went off her, her thyroid drugs, Synthroid, and, and, uh, and she, she, her doctor tried to scare her, said, your heart's going to stop, da-da-da, and, 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 and the receptionist and all that. She said, nope, I'm going to eat seaweed like the Japanese. In three months... Her thyroid came back to normal without the drug, and get this, her hair and her nails and her, and her face started to change, and then she calls me back and says, Scott, I'm growing hair under my arms for the first time in like 30 years. Okay. So she's actually getting younger, Amazing. and that's what the Japanese women have on us. They have this, this longevity and this health. It comes directly from eating seven grams of seaweed a day over there. Scott, you, there are hundreds of species of seaweeds around the world. What made thousands, you zero in? Yeah, so 10, what made you zero in on the ones that you did? Well, as I said, we, we, uh, Dr. Cron, PhD, is my partner and our scientific advisor. And he knows everyone globally. And we speak at these conferences around the world, but not in the U.S. And, uh, and he, he knows the species that have the most science. And we have amassed all that science. And so we chose the species that had the most scientific underpinning, and these species are considered edible in the European Union. There's 20 species that are considered edible. And so we have that IP, that intellectual property. People over here in our business, you know, our natural health, they don't understand seaweed. They, you know, they know, they know dirt in Utah. You know, they know minerals. They know Q Q10. You know, they know Kung Fu. No, they know, uh, you know, they know a berry from a forest somewhere and they put it in water. And you're paying this 40 and $50 for all these things. I say put it to the sea veg and you get over four to five hundred organic ingredients. That's a much better deal. It works better and everybody wins. So 
what about when waters are polluted? Is is the seaweed affected by that? Well, seaweed is a selective plant, and yes, if it's in polluted waters, uh, it doesn't grow; it dies. So it's dead off the coast of New York, New Jersey, Atlantic City, Santa Monica, uh, but it's growing healthy down in San Diego. The rivers run into the ocean, and there's a lot of silt, a lot of nutrition, and they're very selective. Uh, but they will absorb some some metals uh, higher than the amounts that are uh, thought of as legal. But these these metals are inside the plant. In other words, arsenic is in the plant. It's not isolated arsenic, and it's isolated ar- arsenic that is toxic. In any event, we we don't want to go there, so we go to waters that are clean. And no, the entire ocean is not polluted. It's not a lake. Uh, in fact, your listeners should really understand that what they're eating, breathing, and drinking every day is way more polluted than the ocean, and that's where they and, need to start removing toxicity. And, Scott, where do you get the seaweed from? We get it from the coast of France, the Brittany coast, Iceland, where, the, where it's been used for centuries, and uh, that, that laminary over there is just awesome. It's very healthy brown seaweed. Remember, we're in the nutrition business. We have uh, regulations we have to abide by. We, we have to test everything. In fact, we don't even import it unless a certificate of analysis comes with it. Mm-hmm. My manufacturer will not accept it without a C of A. And then after we blend it in these huge hoppers and put it in the powders, uh, into this capsule, uh, well, into the bags, then we, we send that out for testing. We want to know the iodine content, cadmium, uh, mercury, lead, uh, these heavy metals, and so... Uh, that's when we do our testing, and, and we don't put any product out there that, that's toxic. As I said, what you're eating and drinking and even your vitamins are toxic, so don't worry about the seaweed that we're bringing in. There's a lot of clean water in this, in this earth. Mm. Tell, tell folks, we have a few minutes left, how can they get the product and learn more about it? And, and I know you have an offer for our listeners as well. Well, you mentioned supersevedge.com, and they can also go to pharmacy.com, F-A-R-M-A-S-E-A.com, and uh, they can uh, put in a coupon code that I have for you, and that's, that's the coupon code UNVITAMIN, U-N-V-I-T-A-M-I-N, just like UNCOLA, UNVITAMIN, and that will give them an additional 50% off. Now, we have... Uh, we have a, a product called Super Sea Veg with Vita D and Cal, where I add extra vitamin D, and then I add Cal, uh, uh, which is a calcified um, a red seaweed from Ireland, and, and it's, uh, it's a plant. It's vegetable calcium, very bioavailable, and it's the best calcium in the world. So that's the number one supplement in the world right now is our, our sea, uh, sea Veg with, with uh, Vita D and Cal. Unvitamin. Go to pharmacy.com. Right, so they with on again. To again, let's tell them it's pharmacy.com, f a r m a s e a.com, or supercveg.com. Yes, and there's a lot of science there. Every, every question is frequently asked questions. There's video testimonials, there's audio testimonials, there's written testimonials, and they're all authentic. And uh, remember, there's no testimonials for the number one vitamin in the world, Centrum. People take it just because they, they think they're getting better. I feel better just knowing I'm taking it. It's the placebo effect. Have you, ever, have you ever heard anybody say, well, gosh, I take one a day and they make yeah. me feel great. No, so, but that's what people say I when they're on the sea veg. So, what's really difference. important is to look at you know, what's happening here with the sea veg and how it's helping people. And so I think that's the most important part of all of this 
and to look at the purity of the product, that it's, it's, it's just sea vegetables. That's all it is. Correct? And vitamin D, and then we add the sea kale, but then we have the original product, which is just the sea vegetables, correct? But it's all important right, so- to, uh, to let people know that there's a problem and solution, and uh, because, right. you know, a lot of people may say, well, I've got a vitamin already, and, well, it's okay. not. And so, you and know, knowledge I- is power, right, and, uh, and that, that's what we're into. We're into uh, encouraging people, empowering people, and right. how we do that is we give them the truth, and the truth isn't always pretty. It's not can, always feel. It doesn't always feel good, but you, uh, you know the truth is never negative. Okay, Patricia. Right. Can the okay. can the people write to you directly? Well, Scott? you know, we can, they can they can write to info at pharmacy dot com. Sure, we'll All get right. that. Any questions? Pharmacy dot com. Yeah, right away. And, and folks, lo- really log on, and and there's a great discount if you put in unvitamin. That's the code. And Scott's going to be back at the end of the month and talk to us more about sea vegetables. Thanks so much for being on the program, Scott. It's been my pleasure, Patricia. Thanks for having me. Scott Kennedy, founder and president of Pharmacy, F-A-R-M-A-S-E-A.com, or you can log on to supersevage.com and learn all about it. All right, folks, remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin for Patricia Raskin Positive Living on America's Voice, right here on voiceamerica.com. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.